Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Players Experience Podcast. On this week's episode, we have Canadian Olympic sprinter Aaron Brown joining us. Aaron talks about his career and his experiences on the track, what it was like to go up against Usain Bolt, uh, also what it was like to compete at the 2012 and 2016 Olympics and what's in store for the future of racing. Um, before we bring Aaron onto the show, of course, we would like to give acknowledgement to our production team, Jay Salty Photographies, for all the photo and video edits that they do uh, each week for the show. So if you haven't followed them on Instagram, please do so because uh, you will not be disappointed. As well, guys, remember we have discount codes for Hush Blankets and the Great North Apparel. Uh, so you can get some discounts on products if you wish to do so that way as well. And guys, remember, we're on YouTube, we're on Spotify, we're on Apple Podcasts. Make sure if you haven't subscribed to YouTube, please do so. Hit that like button so you're alerted when new episodes come out. Uh, you will not be disappointed with the content that we will be pumping out each and every week. And um, the road to 200 starts today. Uh, now let's bring Aaron onto the show and start talking about his career and his experiences. All right, Aaron, how's it going, man? Everything's good, man. Another day in the bank, uh, just training, working hard, hopefully for a season that's going to come up, barring any crazy COVID outbreaks. But, you know, you know, fingers crossed and everything, got to be prepared no matter what. So, you know, another day in the books. Exactly. Hey, I'm right with you. My sports with Special Olympics have been obviously postponed as well, but I've been doing at-home workouts and training just to stay fit and stay active, right? Because nothing could be worse than just slugging around the house and then, oh, we got to go back to sports and like we're in the worst shape ever. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of people got caught uh, slacking last year uh, or not last year. Yeah, last year. Sorry, we're in 2021 now. Uh, earlier in 2020, you know, when a lot of things got delayed, we didn't know if there's going to be a season. So we, my group was disciplined enough to keep training, but a lot of groups stopped and then they had to try and pick it back up. And that, uh, you know, didn't go over so well for some people. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Well, Hey, kudos to you, man. Cause I know for me, like I have almost zero equipment. So training sometimes can be hard or like the mentality is not around it, but you just got to push through. So, yeah. Um, now, when it comes to you, you're, you're a Canadian Olympic sprinter. Um, so thank you again for taking the time to chat and be on the show. Um, how did you know that you wanted to become a sprinter and that it was something that you wanted to make a career out of? And what made you want to be that track and field athlete? Uh, so <laughs> I didn't know that's what I wanted to do. I kind of just fell into it. You know, growing up, I was always an active kid. And so I was doing all kinds of sports and, you know, just staying active whatever season it was whether it was you know t-ball when I was younger or volleyball and then I got into basketball and soccer was a big one football eventually and then you know I did track here and there when it was track season but it was never something that I thought I was going to be doing for a profession but as I just kept getting faster and faster and climbing the ranks and starting to understand that there's different avenues I can pursue and different um, teams that I can make and you know getting a scholarship done to the states was an option and you know, it just kind of opened my eyes and all these doors opened up for me just because I had the right people, you know, helping me along and, and they realized the potential and my talent. So they kind of wanted to see me succeed and they kind of just helped me go to the next level in each, each position. And, you know, I just kind of, <laughs> one thing after another, I just ended up here and, you know, I'm doing it full time. Um, so yeah, I didn't know, but this is kind of just how it played out. That's great. And it certainly played out because in 2009, you participated in the World Youth Championships in Brixen, Italy, and finished with a time of 10.74 seconds, 
earning a silver medal. What was it like for you to compete in your first of many competitions? So it was crazy because at World Youth, I went into it ranked like 11th or 12th, something like that, maybe even 13th in the world in the 100 meters. I ran 10.55 at Offsa, and I was just happy to make the team because that was my first international competition. I didn't know what to expect because I'd never faced people around the world. Um, and this is the farthest I've ever been. Um, you know, I was 17 years old. So I was there nervous, not knowing what to expect, just kind of happy to be on the Team Canada. And then I ran the first round and I tied my PR and I ran 10.55. So I was like, okay, that felt pretty easy because I pulled up a little bit. And back then it was four rounds. So the second round I ran 10.46 and broke the Canadian youth record that still holds today. And then my expectations changed because I'm like, I'm out here like, I don't know how I'm doing this, but I'm, I'm running like crazy times, you know? I just broke the Canadian record. What else can I do? Um, so then the next day in the third round, the semifinal, um, I came back and ran 10.47. And, um, you know, my expectations were trying to win. And there's only one other guy that um, ran faster. He ran 10.38 in uh, the semifinal. But up until that point, I had the fastest time. So I was looking to win. Um, in the finals, he ended up beating me. I had a really, really bad start because, you know, earlier in the year, I had false started in a 60. And that was at, I think, uh, a meet in the States. Um, I can't even remember the name of it, but one of those like international competitions indoors. And so it was on my mind, don't fall start, don't fall start. Because back then it was one fall start, it gets charged to the field. And then the next one is live. And if you fall start, you're up. So somebody had already fall started the first time. And so the next one was, you know, if you fall start, you're out. And so I'm like, this would be the worst way. You know, I've had a great championship. I don't want to fall start again. So I had a really bad start, slow reaction, and I was actually last for a lot of the race, but I was able to come up and get second. So it was bittersweet because I wanted to win. I felt like, you know, I'd been running so well and you naturally, you know, want to see how far you can take it. But um, at the same time, it was my first international competition, came away with a medal. Um, I was only one of two people that get a medal at the World Youth, and um, I wasn't expected to do anything. So, you know, I... I I look back on that really fondly, and that was one of my favorite uh, international competitions. Hey, man, placing on the podium is a feat, like, without uh, question. So the fact that you walked away with a silver medal, like, kudos to you because, again, the mentality aspect of the sport is such a huge one too, right? So when you're competing in your first games, you're so nervous already because, like, you're like, yo, this is my first games. Yeah. And then uh, to walk away. So, like, congrats to you, man, because that's well-deserved. Appreciate it. Now, the, the journey continues, and uh, in 2016 in Rio, you placed again on the podium uh, with the bronze this time. How much work went into staying on the podium, and what was the feeling like after? Um, it was, that match was very uh, interesting, or that race was very interesting, rather, because the U.S. ended up being disqualified, resulting in you and the rest of the team earning that bronze. What was the mentality like for you to, again, step on, on the podium, but because of a disqualification? Um, man, so that was a wave of emotions because we'd put a lot of work in, in the relay program. Um, 2013, we got a medal. We were on the podium from a disqualification. 2015, we're on the podium again for a disqualification. So we wanted to get the medal outright and we knew we had the talent. Um, we had a really great group of guys, you know, myself, Andre and, uh, Brendan were, you know, flirting with that um, sub 10, sub 20 barrier. And we knew that we had a really great team. Uh, Akeem was a great starter. He had run 10, 15. So we're all in PR shape that year. 
and we felt like we could be in the mix if we uh, had a clean race. So we went through that race and, you know, the immediate reaction afterwards was what the hell? Cause it's like, we yeah. ran 37, six broke the Canadian record that stood since 96, but we were fourth and we missed it by so small of a margin that it was just kind of like, this, this can't be it. Like, you know, we, we put it together. We did exactly what we thought we could do. And, and it just should be a medal. Like it, it felt incomplete. So I almost, we almost, didn't want to leave the track at first because we we're watching the results, waiting for something to happen, something to unfold, like somebody getting taken off of the um, or getting disqualified. And sure enough, when we're going through um, the media gauntlet, we're all sad. We're all kind of like, man, I can't believe we didn't get a medal. We're going through our interview with CBC and we're like, you know, talking about it. you can see our body language is low. And then they tell us, like, um, we're happy to tell you, you guys have been upgraded to a bronze. And immediately we're all happy. There's smiles across the board. We're all just like, yes. And then they're like, okay, so let's run this interview back. And then this time we're all happy and upbeat and like, <laughs> no, this is amazing. <laughs> we got our, we got our record. <laughs> yeah, we got the record. We got our bronze. You know, we're good now. So um, that was, that was a definitely a, a great moment to um, get the medal in. Even though it's from a disqualification, you take it when you can get it, you know, at that level. Hey, man, especially with the sport rivalry that comes between Canada and U.S. already. Yeah. That just adds to, that's like the gravy on top, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. And my uh, coach was actually the U.S. Um, relay coach at the time. My coach now that I train with. And I trained with Justin Gatlin, and he was second leg, part of the disqualification. So I was like, ooh, you know, <laughs> it sucks that he got disqualified and lost his medal. But, yeah, I'm going to take my bronze, you know, so I'll gladly take that. <laughs> Um, now, talking about feelings and emotions of the competition, uh, to represent Canada, again, is always such a great accomplishment yeah. um, and, and a great honor. How did it feel for you to represent Canada at the Olympics, not once, but twice, um, not only in 2016, but four years earlier in 2012? Yeah, so anytime... My dog's just going crazy. What was that dog you have? A uh, little chihuahua. Hey. Hey, man, I can speak for that. My chihuahua's upstairs right now. Okay, yeah. <laughs> He's a barker, so, like, I, I just put him, like, with a gate across so that he wouldn't freak out and start barking if someone walks down the street. But, uh... Yeah. Um, yeah, anytime I line up for uh, Team Canada, I always appreciate it because I know, you know, it's always an honor. A lot of people want to be in that position. Sometimes they only take two or three people per event, and a lot of people wish they could be in that position. And year in, year out, you know, I'm lining up for Team Canada, putting the cannon across my chest, and I'm always, I'm always proud. You know, I, I know what it, what it means to represent the country, how many people are watching and rooting for you and hoping that you can come through with a great performance and all that stuff. So I just think about them anytime I don the maple leaf on my chest. You know, I'm always going up there trying to represent the best I can. And um, the Olympics only come around every four years, as you know, five now, technically, with it being Tokyo 2021. But... Um, you know, I, I never take it for granted, no matter how many times I, I make it. I always uh, appreciate each time I put it on my chest. That's fantastic. And uh, yeah, I wish nothing but the best for you as, uh, again, the Olympics are around the corner. You're still training, you're still competing. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's huge. Now, looking back just a few years ago, you were able to compete in the World Relay Championships as well as the NACAC Championships, where you won gold at both events with an additional silver at those NACACs. How proud were you to see that all your kind of like hard work, your dedication, your motivation um, paid off in those results? 
Man, uh, so 2017 in the World Relays, that was a great race um, by the whole team. You know, we broke the Canadian record again that we had. And I mean, we have a really great four by two squad because we have a lot of great 200 runners. Um, we actually almost got disqualified in the first round, which would have been disaster because we dropped a stick in the four by one. So we kind of wanted that redemption. Yeah. Um, but we ended up getting put back in the race and ran a clean race in the, in the semis to make it through the finals. And then we just, uh, you know, I got the stick with the lead and I just I had to do my job and held it. And, you know, um, there's that, that famous uh, pose that I did that we've been doing on Team Canada where I threw up the X. And um, that was just kind of like the, the exclamation point on the race because, you know, a lot of things hadn't gone our way, especially the day before running the 4 by one where we could have won that as well. Um, and we dropped the stick. So it was just kind of like cathartic just to, to get that off our chest, like to finally come with the gold and realize our potential as a team. Um, so that one felt great. And then uh, at NACAX, I actually felt like I, I should have won the 200. You know, I, I didn't run and execute great. I got silver, so I was a little disappointed with myself in that. But, you know, another podium, um, grand scheme of things, can't be too upset with another podium performance. And then um, we turned, the turnaround was crazy for that one. It was like 30 minutes after I ran the 200. We were right back on the track for the 4 by one and uh, I anchored us to a gold. So I was happy with that bounce back performance, you know, shaking off the earlier disappointment with the 200. So um, both golds I was really proud of. And in hindsight, I'm, I'm also proud of the silver. Um, you know, anytime you can get a medal at an international competition, you got to be happy with that. Oh, for sure. Now, I have to ask you, I've asked, I've had some past Olympians on the show already, and I always ask them the same question. Where do you keep your medals? Do you have them hidden in a little box? Do you have them for, like proudly demon or displayed on your wall? Where is your kind of hidden gem for your medals? So I have a room upstairs and it's where I put all my clothes. You know, Nike sends us a lot of clothes and I have a big shoe collection. You know, I've been collecting Jordans for over the years. Um, so there's a room where I put all my stuff and that's where I have, like I have a little shelf for my trophies and all that stuff, but I'm trying to get a bigger display shelf um, because, you know, I'm running out of room on, on the top of it. It's not a very big shelf that it's on right now. Um, so, yeah, they're upstairs. Um, I'm trying to make a bigger presentation of it, but uh, that's, that's a project for a little down the road. Hey, man, while COVID's here, you got all the time in the world right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so. No, that's cool. Um, I've had stories. Uh, I think it was like Patrick Chan was one that sticks out for me. I chatted with him and he said he had his medals in like a Lululemon bag beside his dog toys. <laughs> so I was like, yo, make sure that the dog doesn't go for that bag. Yeah, Just, that, that, you know? They're hard to replace, especially Olympic medals. So you got to be careful. Now, out of the eight events that you've been able to compete at uh, so far, you've, and, um, you've obviously had so many different experiences with different events. If you had to pick one based off your uh, favorite, either experience, results, the journey to get there, which event would you pick as your favorite and why? And I'd probably go with 2012 just because it was my first Olympic team and that, that feeling of being an Olympian for the first time was just something you can never recreate. You know, it's, it's always great to make it again. And in 2016, I was just as honored. But that first time, especially the way I made it, because originally I wasn't on the team, but I uh, got selected as a rising star after I was able to go out and prove that I wasn't injured anymore. And uh, I had to run these two races in Ottawa at the AO championships to prove fitness. And at the, the standard, I hit both the B and A standards. So 
you know, I overcame some level of adversity to make the team. So it just made for a greater story. And then when I got to 2012, uh, the Olympics, um, I really just, you know, was happy to be there again, kind of like 2009 at world use, um, not, no real expectations. You know, I'm 20 years old and against the best in the world. I raced Usain Bolt for the first time, which was a surreal, um, feeling. And I PR'd, you know, I, I ran 2042 and I missed the finals by three one hundredths of a second or sorry, five one hundredths of a second. Um, and so I finished ninth at the Olympics, it, not even being on the team, you know, just like a month ago. So I, I think that was the best uh, experience overall, you know, just soaking everything in. Um, the village was great. I, the whole Olympic itself was a great experience, I think. It was a little better than Rio, just um, organization-wise. Um, but yeah, I look back on 2012, and I think that's one of my, my favorite moments. And we all know the Athletes Village is uh, one heck of a party at the best of times. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Especially when it's a lot, the last night before everyone flies back. Everyone's yeah. done competitions. They don't have to worry about anything right now. So, mm -hmm. Now, what was it like for you to face off against Usain Bolt, though? That must have been an uh, experience in itself. Yeah, it's crazy because in the first round, um, I guess he was in the heat before or after me, but we were walking back, you know, from the call room where you put your clothes back on to the warm-up track. And I saw him right beside me. So I was like, oh my God, Usain Bolt, like this is like a one-time, once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to talk to him. You know, I'm 20. I'm like, oh my goodness. Just, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a, Lily, Stop. Um, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity to talk to Usain Bolt. And I, I didn't know I'd ever see him again or not. All right. <laughs> Put it away for a second. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm walking back in the tunnel, going to the call room and I see Usain Bolt. So I walk up to him. I'm like, I'm just going to talk to him, you know, just try and play it cool. And I'm like, Hey man, uh, great race. You know, like, cause the day before he ran the hundred and one gold ran nine, six, and so it was, it, was, it was crazy. And I looked up to him at the time. So uh, I just said, hey, great race. And he said something like, you know, thanks, respect, or something like that. And then when the draw, lane draws come out the next day for the 200 uh, semifinal, I see that he's in my heat. So I'm like, oh, my God, like, I actually have to race this guy again. Um, so, you know, we line up. I, um, I ran my PR. I'm in lane nine, way on the outside. So I don't see people until we come off the curve. And I remember when he passed me, he looked like he was seven feet tall, like his stride and his uh, presence, like you just feel like a giant is going right by you. And you're like, wow, like that, that's crazy. Um, you know, I, I, I see him like kind of jogging and shutting down, you know, running really easy. So then I'm like trying to get as close to him as possible. And, you know, I, it pulled me to a PR. So I, I did what I was supposed to do. Um, and then after the race, I remember that I have a picture of it too. You know, he was walking beside me, about to pass me, and I'm like, oh, should I shake his hand? Should I shake his hand? And then I put it out, and then we dapped, and, you know, I have a picture of that, which is pretty cool. I should probably, you know, print that show my kid. Yeah, honestly, that's uh, that's an accomplishment. Like, that's just, like, one of those priceless feelings, you know? Uh, I was going to say accomplishment, but it's not really, a, like, a, it's you, whenever you get to race against someone like Usain Bolt, that's an accomplishment, setting a PR accomplishment. But just having that moment after the race and like knowing a mutual respect between the two of you, that's yeah. a huge priceless moment and something definitely to frame up with like the rest of your medals as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, he's a 
great competitor. Um, he's always been approachable, a nice guy, really laid back, like typical Jamaican, you know, real cool guy. So it was, it was a great experience getting to meet him and race him over the years. That's great. Now, talking about mentors and people that you look up to, most individuals have a mentor or someone in their life that's helped motivate them to success. Has there been someone in your life that has been that kind of driving force for you? Um, you know, I, I trained with Justin Gatlin and he's been someone that I've always looked up to since I came here. Um, he's always given me advice and been in my corner trying to help me get to levels that he's been able to reach. Um, you know, Donovan Bailey's another guy that growing up I always looked up to because he's a Canadian icon, you know, the famous 96 race and all the other success he's had. But I'd say the main motivator would be Bill Stevens, my um, club coach in high school, because if it, was, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be running today. And I wouldn't be in the position I was at now because he's the one that told me to go into track and take it seriously. And I can get a scholarship and I can be this and that and go to world youth and world juniors and whatnot. So without him, I wouldn't be in this position today because, like I said, I was not trying to be a track and field athlete as a profession. I didn't even know that was possible. Yeah. But, uh, you know, giving the right guidance and, and um, advice from Bill over the years, in the early years, um, I ended up just snowballing and falling to the position at now. So I definitely attribute a lot of my success to that. And he was an early motivator for me. That's awesome. And I want to continue a little bit on the earlier discussion of honors and representations. In 2012, you were awarded the Queen Elizabeth II Diamond Jubilee Medal. What was it like for you to receive that award? Um, you know, back then I was getting awards and stuff that I didn't really understand and, and know the magnitude of. So, uh, looking back on it now, I'm, I'm definitely honored and it was, it was great to receive that. But at the time when I got it, I, I really didn't know much about it. I was just like, award? Cool. You know, and I was just kind of taking it in stride. Um, I'm not a guy that likes to stop and smell the roses while I get them, you know, like. I'm a reflective person that likes to look back and be like, oh, wow, that, that was pretty dope. That was pretty good. You know, I had a great, really great experience, a really great year or whatever. Um, but I like to try and stay in the moment. So I'm still chasing certain goals and, and certain awards and accolades right now in my career. So um, I don't get caught up in what I've done so far. I'm always telling myself that you need to do better and keep going. And that's just a way to keep myself motivated and keep myself hungry and working hard. Um, yeah. So that's great. Now, my last question for you is I have a section uh, that I like to end off each episode with called the words of wisdom. So what words of wisdom or advice would you want to give to the next generation of track and field athletes or just sport athletes in general that kind of want to pursue a career and, and get a name for themselves? Yeah, man. Um, my whole career, I feel like the theme of my career has been resilience. And that means that no matter what type of roadblock or failure or shortcoming I've had, I've always been able to get back up on my feet. And I think that's been my, my legacy and my defining uh, description of my career. And I would advise other athletes who want to be successful and reach high levels to kind of do the same. You know, you might be better in certain areas or, you know, a young stud and have all kinds of success come at you fast when you're young, but eventually everybody reaches that point of adversity even the great Usain Bolt and you know whatever athlete you want to look at LeBron James Michael Jordan whoever it is they've all had some type of adversity and the 
thing that separates those who go on to be legends and, and you know, the icons and those who have the talent but never really manifest into anything is the resilience and the ability to bounce back and, and meet those challenges with more dedication and, and fire and responsiveness and coming back to, you know, meet the challenge because we're all going to come with adversity and, and meet it head on. And it's just how you, how you deal with it in order to, you know, take yourself to that next level. That's great. Some great words of wisdom from Aaron Brown. Thank you, sir, for taking the time to be on the show. Really appreciate it. Again, congratulations on all the accomplishments that you've had so far. And I cannot wait to see you uh, back on the track, hopefully when COVID's done and back racing um, in the future as well. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. No problem. We'll talk again soon. Thanks so much. All right, everyone. That was Aaron Brown, Canadian Olympic sprinter. Thank you, Aaron, for joining us on the show today. And thank you to all of you for watching and tuning in to another episode of the Players Experience Podcast. We look forward to seeing you next week when we have another exciting guest joining us. Until next, guys. Until next week, guys. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll talk to you guys soon.